Turning Point Coaching and Consulting presents Kairos Conversations, Connecting with Quality, the podcast. Kairos is Greek for the right time, the right season, and the right opportunity. This podcast features healthcare quality professionals who share their journeys, their advice, their struggles, how they made that transition into a new and exciting role. My heart's desire is that you find this podcast to be inspirational to you as you make your own journey. Don't forget to share this podcast with your colleagues and friends and rate us on whichever podcast platform you listen to. Thank you for being here. So today I am joined by my new friend, Kayla Perno. Thank you for joining me today, Kayla. Thanks for having me, Brandy. Awesome. So let's start by introducing yourself to the audience. All right. So Brandy told you my name is Kayla. And by background, I am a speech therapist. I've worked in healthcare in various settings, uh, rehab and acute care. And I've recently pivoted to utilization review. And now I am a skilled inpatient care coordinator. So I'm helping with care coordination for members um, in the healthcare community. Awesome. So for those who don't know what a utilization reviewer does, can you kind of break down your day-to-day? Sure. So utilization management is sort of like an umbrella. um, And utilization review is a way to help the healthcare system thrive a little bit by reducing fraud and waste of the healthcare monies and just making sure that patients are getting what they need in the right place at the right time, and certainly not too much and too little of the care in their journeys after, you know, an event that might have happened to them. Awesome. So what made you, what sparked your interest in that as a speech language pathologist? So when I, you know, we have to pick a career when we're 18 years old and we still don't even know what kind of college we want to go to, right? So um, I picked speech therapy and I loved like direct patient care, working with the patients, the families. That was really awesome. But I knew that I didn't want to be in direct patient care forever. I was kind of grooming myself for almost more of a managerial role at times. But, you know, when I kind of sat back and reflected on what I really thought I would maybe want to do one day, you know, I thought about what do I love most about working as a speech therapist? And a couple of topics came to mind, patient advocacy and um, evidence-based practice. So when I joined some awesome networking groups on LinkedIn and Facebook, I found Utilization Review. And Utilization Review really aligns closely with using evidence-based practice and advocating for patients. So that's kind of where I got that from. Awesome. So I'm going to take a step back and ask you to share with people how we know each other. Sure. So Brandy and I go way back a couple months. (laughs) Um, We became connected on LinkedIn and the rest is history. You know, Brandy's in the healthcare quality space and she does a great job providing clinicians and prior healthcare uh, professionals with awesome tools to kind of help with their transition. So I've been following along with her and she's been motivating to me. Um, And then we also, I was moderating for one of her previous shows before a QA. and a So we kind of know each other through LinkedIn and just kind of networking. Yeah. So. And I want to share this. I hope you don't mind. And I kind of put you on the spot because you don't know I'm getting ready to say this. So I was doing this um, series on clinic or on hacks for, you know, making this non-clinical transition. And I did like a 12-week series through 
my business page, which I had recently created. So I was trying to get some buzz around it. And you actually won, I'll call it a prize because you got to choose what the prize was, but you won a prize for like the most, one of the most engagement uh, on on the posts and stuff. And so I did a prize twice and you won the second time. And then I invited you to, I asked you if you would moderate the panel discussion that I did in January. So you were gracious enough to moderate. So thank you for that. (laughs) It was fun. Yeah. All right. So you're a speech language pathologist. You decided you want to do something different. You found the utilization review through some LinkedIn and Facebook groups. What barriers did you encounter as you were making that transition? All of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, so I've actually only been in the healthcare space for, you know, just under about five years. So there were definitely, I mean, right now there's a lot of people trying to leave direct patient care and still use their clinical skills in a different way. So, you know, one of the biggest fears that I had was like somebody with 15 years of experience is always going to beat me out. So I did my homework. I like I got to know what utilization review was like it was the back of my hand. Um, I had my resume redone. I took a course um, within the utilization review realm. I did CEUs and stuff to kind of bypass all that because what I was finding was, you know, I'd submit an application. I would spend like a half hour on an application and then 20 minutes later, I'd get a rejection email from, you know, just not passing through ATS. So that was kind of like my initial barrier. And so I was kind of working on my resume and making sure that I had more to my resume than just being a therapist. And then just like your typical, you know, you get an interview and you just never get the yes, like we want you. So um, that was definitely a big struggle for me. I definitely was down in the dumps about it. I got a whole lot of no's, but I kept sticking with it. I was motivated by people like you, Brandy, on LinkedIn and Facebook who were, you know, kind of pumping us up. Like it just takes time. Once you get through those barriers, you know, you might actually get somewhere that you want to be. Uh, So what I did was I just kind of honed in on certain companies that I was really interested in, uh, one company in particular, and I just networked. I made relationships. I revamped my resume and I just was persistent. And so my name was in their face enough. And I think they eventually were like, we want you. (laughs) (laughs) So how long did that process take for you? Like from the time you started and said, yes, I want utilization review to the time you got the job offer, how long did that take you? Before I got really serious about it, like once I was really serious about it, it was about six months. Okay. But that still can be a long time for people to feel like they're not getting answers, right? When you're hearing no. Yeah, it felt like a decade. But when I look back at it, I'm like, oh, that was already, you know, almost a year ago now. So. (laughs) Awesome. So how is the role now that you're in it? It's good. I'm learning a lot. I'm still kind of in the early stages of, you know, just training and getting um, acclimated to the company and um, being in the role and learning a little bit more about kind of like the day-to-day stuff, but I'm loving it so far. Working from home is amazing. I get to be home with my dog, which I love him so much. So, you know, you feel good at the end of the day. Like, first of all, you, you're learning something new and you're challenging yourself and you're still using your clinical background and the degree that you went to school for, but you're doing something that you really enjoy and from the comfort of your own home. So, so when people think of work from home, how is your work from home day structured? Like, do you have to log in at a certain time? Do you have flexibility in your day? What does that look like for you? Yeah, so um, 
I'm sure every company is different. Um, I get on my computer in the morning and I kind of triage my tasks. I reply to emails. I engage with my team members. I see what's on the docket for the day. Um, But there definitely is a little bit of flexibility. You know, like if I need to take a quick break, I can and step away from the computer. I have a lunch break, so I get out and kind of get some fresh air. And so, you know... It's flexible in the way that you can kind of get up and do what you need to do if you need to do it. But also you do have, you know, a job to do at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, friend. Are you listening to this podcast wondering how you can start your own journey into healthcare quality? Or maybe you've already started, but you're hitting some roadblocks and getting stuck at the application process. Well, my friend, I've got a free resource for you. After you finish listening to this episode, head on over to my website and grab the ebook, Top Three Mistakes Clinicians Make When Transitioning into a Non-Clinical Role. The link will be in the show notes section. Now, enjoy the rest of the episode. So what advice would you give someone who wanted to walk in your shoes or someone who is at the point that you were at before where they're like, oh my gosh, it's just not working for me. I just want to give up. Think about maybe what you've done so far and what's working. And then think about, you know, what can you be doing more of or what could you be doing differently? That's kind of what I did every, you know, couple weeks. I was like, okay, so I did this interview. I didn't get any negative feedback, but I didn't get the job. So let me kind of reflect on that. So a lot of reflecting, definitely beef up your networking and then just just don't give up because everybody's journey is different. Sometimes, you know, you apply and you get the job on the first go around. I think that's rare, but um, I've heard ranges from anywhere from, you know, six months to a few years. So I think it just depends on your background. It depends on how, you know, how much of a go-getter you are. And then just if you're doing everything else to like networking and making sure your resume matches the job description. So what do you think contributed to your transition the most? We talked about barriers, but what do you think helps you the most? Oh, that's a loaded question. Huh? Probably the networking. And then just also making sure I was really prepared for my interviews. As you continue to interview, you obviously get more confident and you know kind of generally how the interview may go or what questions you might ask. You get more comfortable with your answers. Also, just the more you practice talking and being on screen, if you're, you know, doing a virtual interview, um, it does get a little bit easier. So that's kind of what I think worked for me. I was just so did you practice interviewing or did you just, you know, practice by actually doing it? So I was the crazy person that like recorded. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know that. Um, And I would send it to like my friend or I'd have my husband like listen back. I would leave the room. I'd be like, just listen and tell me what you think about this answer. But, you know, it's different when you're never on screen. Like when I was in direct patient care, my interviews were always in person. Right. I'm always face to face with my manager. I'm always, I was always face to face with my patients. And so coming into the virtual world was new for me, like using Zoom and Microsoft Teams. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be prepared for like, how do you present yourself on a camera? What does the lighting look like? All those kinds of things. So that's why I recorded myself. (laughs) Okay, well, that's cool. So did you have any certifications or did you go back to school 
before you made the transition? No, I think I may have spent like $200 total. I took a, um, a continuing education course and that was called Foundations for Utilization Review for Rehab Professionals through Alternative Healthcare Careers. Uh-huh. And that was basically a, a foundational course within utilization review. You got to learn about what it was, you know, what companies can you work for? Uh, They helped with your resume. They helped with interview prep. So that's what I did there. And then I also, in addition to that, I used MedBridge for some continuing education that was relevant. So I think a course I took was something like defensive documentation. Mm -hmm. That's really important when you're looking at charts and reading notes is knowing, is this note telling you exactly what it needs to be telling you and how to look for the critical information? Okay. So what was your defining point? So I think just knowing that I didn't want to be face-to-face with patients and working as a speech therapist for the rest of my life where I didn't really find that there was a lot of upward mobility and I didn't want to kind of be maxed out in my career in just a few years. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I needed to do something that was going to motivate me Um, help me learn new things and also provide upward mobility if I want that in the future. Okay. So having been, and I'm going to ask you this because I know a lot of people feel the same way, but they've been in clinical care for a short amount of time or even in school, they're realizing this is not what I want to do anymore. And they're making that transition. You know, at what point did you decide that being a speech therapist was not for you? Or in being a speech therapist in that sense, because you're still a speech therapist, but you're just using it in a different way. Using it in a different way. Yeah. When did I figure out I wanted to use it in a different way? Um, I tested out a few different settings. I learned a lot. I felt like I kind of, you know, learned as much as I, I wanted to and developed a lot of skills. And I just felt once I kind of felt like my day was mundane mm-hmm. and there was nothing really inspiring or knew that was going on, I kind of felt the the push to want to do more. I can see how like being new to the field and being right out of school can be a challenge, but take those entry level jobs. I mean, the, you're, you're able to grow in, you know, some of these non-traditional routes that you can take. You know, it's not like you need to be stuck as, you know, just a speech therapist or a physical therapist where there's like not a whole lot of upward mobility. You can still learn a lot of great skills and then kind of move within a company if you want. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I think a lot of people are there and they're hesitant to say anything because they don't know what people are going to think about it or how it's going to be perceived, right? After you've spent all this money on a clinical degree. Yeah. I mean, telling my grandparents I was nervous about it because they're huge on, you know, school and your degree. And they loved that I was going to be a speech therapist. And I still am, like you said, I'm still using my clinical skills. Um, But they actually took it really well, surprisingly. (laughs) (laughs) Good. They were proud of you. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to share that would help someone who wanted to take a, a similar path? Network and talk to people like Brandy or myself. You know, sometimes people are willing to give you five minutes and, you know, engage in on LinkedIn, engage in people's posts. You'll learn a lot from following a lot of people in the, you know, non-clinical space. It's called non-clinical, but honestly, you're still using your clinical skills Mm -hmm. and um, your clinical background. But 
you know, talk to people in the field. That's what I did. And I feel like I got a really good understanding of what the opportunities are. Even Brandy, when I was moderating for your, um, your panel about therapists that had transitioned out of direct patient care, I learned so much about what those therapists did, like recruiting and, um, you know, customer success, different areas of um, non-clinical paths that you can take. So, you know, maybe you don't know what that path is yet. And you can kind of find a lot about what what route you might want to take. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So here is the last question. Is there any way that my network can support you and the work that you do? So I just started recently kind of engaging a bit more on LinkedIn. So feel free to follow me on LinkedIn and connect. I would love to, you know, engage with more people in the space of healthcare that are looking to kind of transition out of direct patient care. Awesome. Thank you for being here, Kayla. I really appreciate you, not just for talking to me about your transition, but for engaging on LinkedIn. It's been so motivating for me, but now starting to see you post your own content and really help people and pay it forward. It's just really inspirational. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining in. Your support means everything. Be sure to subscribe to the show, share this episode with your friends and colleagues, and rate the podcast on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I'd love to hear from you. So find me on LinkedIn at Brandy DPT or on my website at www.definingpointcc.com. Enjoy the rest of your day.